Temple, get ready to roll indeed. What's up, K-State fans? Welcome to another edition of College and Kimball. Jeff is on the road this week, so we're calling a little bit of an audible. I am your interim host, Justin Nutter. Guys, it's been a long time coming. This one's been circled on a lot of calendars this offseason, and it is finally here. 11 years after Bolton, the Big 12 for the SEC, Missouri Tigers are coming back to Manhattan. We don't get home non-con games of this caliber here very often. You got to go all the way back to that visit from Auburn in 2014 to find what I would call a more highly anticipated matchup. Atmosphere at the Bill on Saturday should be every bit as electric as it was that night. They're packing every nook and cranny of the stadium for this one. Tickets are as crazy as I think I've ever seen on the resale market. If you're making the trek out to Manhattan Saturday, buckle up. It is going to be rocking. So to bring us up to speed on Mizzou, uh, who is coming off a 52-24 to win over Louisiana Tech in their season opener, I am joined by PowerMizzou.com publisher Gabe DeArmond. Gabe, welcome to the show. Really appreciate you taking the time. No problem. How you doing, man? I'm good. So uh, in the, the brave new world of uh, college football realignment, obviously you're starting to see some of these, you know, rivalries that have kind of gone dormant start to pop back up, right? You know, you had Pitt, West Virginia, revived the backyard brawl to start the season. Next week we've got OU headed to Nebraska for what should be a pretty vintage Big 8 matchup. But right now it's uh, it's K-State and Missouri's turn to kind of turn back the clock. I know there's definitely an added level of excitement in Manhattan for this one. Um, do you get the sense in Columbia? Do the fans seem to think there might be a little something extra on this? Yeah, Missouri fans are are – excited about this for a couple of reasons. I mean, first of all, this is kind of a swing game in Missouri season. Uh, they're, they're at K-State and then in two weeks they're at Auburn. And if they're going to have a winning record and get to where they want to get, one of these games at least has to be a win. So, you know, it's big in that sense, but a lot of people obviously remember the big 12 and the big eight days, and there's a little something extra to it for the fans. Now for the teams, I mean, Guys on this team, the oldest player on this team, other than Jack Abraham, who's in like his 19th year of college for Missouri, uh, the oldest guy was like, you know, 11 years old the mm-hmm. last time they played. Um, nobody at either program other than, I guess, Colin Klein was involved when they played the last time. So, you know, I, I don't know if it means any extra to the, the teams or the programs, but it, it does to the fans. I mean, come 2.30 tomorrow, either K-State fans will be saying, ha, 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 why'd you leave for that league? You suck. Or Missouri fans will be saying, see, we're in a better league. You're supposed to be good in the Big 12, and you can't even beat a team that's not supposed to be good in the SEC. And they're both equally ridiculous, but they'll both absolutely be set. Yeah, and, you know, I know, Coach, it, it, it's funny you mention that because it's kind of a unique situation, right, And that, yes, this could mean everything to the fans and the players might, you know, even the oldest guys were, I think, probably about 11 the last time these two teams kicked off against each other. Coach Kleiman has said that he's been having former players call in and, you know, speak to the team just maybe to just give them an added sense of, how, you know, how important this rivalry used to be. Have you heard of Coach Drinkwitz doing anything similar or is it just kind of another day at the office for them? Yeah, no, I mean, he was asked about it on Tuesday and he said, you know, it's a, it's a non-conference game. Uh, I mean, most of these guys don't really have any history in it. And I like, hey, you know, I think that's the approach. I mean, Kleiman can do whatever he wants to do, too, and maybe that works for his team. Um, you know, Missouri played KU in basketball last year for the first mm-hmm. time in however long and like 
I don't know if Missouri and K-State, like it was a good series. I don't know if either one ever would have said that's our biggest rival. To me, it wasn't this like big heated thing. It was almost kind of like enemy of my enemy is my friend and K-State and Missouri wanted to beat each other. But I don't think there was a lot of hate or animosity there most of the time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so it, it like is the case with most, you know, K-State opponents, Missouri has a pretty commanding lead in the all-time series, 60, 32, and 5. But when you look at it, you know, it again, kind of, kind of a recurring theme when Bill Snyder took over, the tide really kind of started to turn. When you look at it since the inception of the Big 12, K-State is 11 and 5 against Missouri. You know, if you look at that through a purple lens, there were definitely some pretty memorable moments, you know, in kind of the Big 12 era. I think about the the famous Route 66 game in, in 99 or Bill Snyder's, you know, first last game in 2005 where he's carried off the field. Um, the last meeting, you know, you mentioned with Colin Klein at quarterback, I think of the sarcastic SEC chance as Missouri's leaving the field as someone, you know, I know you've been on the Mizzou beat and you were, you were on it for quite a while during, you know, their time in the big 12. I mean, are there any moments that kind of come to mind when you think about this series? Yeah. I mean, first of all, K-State should have two record books. There should be the Bill Snyder era record book and the everything else era record. Sure. Book, right. Because yeah. they're just two completely different things. Um, you know, and the interesting part about that 11 and five record, I think Missouri's five wins were all in a row. They um, were. Yeah. I, I think they won from 06 to 10 and they lost everything before that. And then they lost in, in 2011. I mean, I, I tweeted yesterday the the three games that stand out to me. Um, 1998 was my last year in Columbia. I had graduated, but I was working in Columbia and, uh, you know, Michael Bishop and Corby Jones. And the last game of the season, Missouri actually finished eight and four that season. They led every game at halftime and all four of their losses were to top 10 teams, including 31-25 to K-State. And what I've said, along with the kicked ball game against Nebraska, like if you just went in and you just wanted to watch a good football game, those are the two two of the best college football games I've ever seen. I mean, that that Bishop Corby Jones game was was incredible. Um, 2007, I guess it was when Jeremy Macklin went off in Manhattan and it, it, you mentioned the, the SEC chants. My favorite chant in Manhattan was when Missouri's leaving the field. The K-State fans are chanting beat KU uh-huh, because yeah. they knew the game was over. M- number four, Missouri was playing number two KU at Arrowhead the next week for, you know, theoretically a shot at a national title. And K-State knew who they were pulling for in that game. And then uh, 09, which was uh, Missouri's last win in Manhattan. I mean, I've said a number of times, I think it Denario Alexander had the best game of what I think was the best individual season in Missouri history. I mean, he did it. He took a short pass for a long touchdown. He mossed a couple K-State defenders for a long touchdown. And then when they had to have a fourth down conversion, he got hit, lost his helmet, and picked up the first down without a helmet on. You know, I mean, it was – that was probably Missouri's version of, like, what Darren Sproles did to Mizzou in 2004, right? 872 yards or something uh-huh, like that. right. Yeah, it. Uh, I remember that Alexander game pretty well. He looked every bit like Megatron out there. There was just absolutely no stopping him that day. Um, so kind of looking at you know what we saw last week. I can. I know it can kind of be tough to glean. You know what you can really what you can really take away from these lopsided wins against a lesser opponent in a season opener. Um, you know, K State was up twenty pretty much out of the gate on South Dakota. Pretty well put it on autopilot after that. You know, I know Missouri set the tone early. They had three picks in the first half, only up 24-10 at half, put it out of reach, a couple of scores in the third quarter. I mean, overall, was there anything maybe you expected to see but didn't, you know, didn't expect to see but did? Did anything kind of catch you off guard? I mean, Missouri's defense looked better than I thought it was going to. Just 
not not just from the statistical standpoint, but they just look so much more athletic and aggressive than they were last year. Now, does that translate to this week or at Auburn or Florida? Who knows? You know, that's kind of the question for Missouri fans. But uh, the defense looked a lot better than I expected. Um, other than that, I mean, I, I was underwhelmed with Louisiana Tech, but in week one, do we know if that's because Louisiana Tech isn't any good or maybe it's Missouri was better than than we all thought? I mean, th- you know, anybody saying going into week two that they know anything other than, you know, Georgia's still pretty good is uh, is probably lying. You know, I know you uh, it, it's definitely uh, a, a discussion point for K-State fans this week. You mentioned that the, the defense looked pretty good. Um I know Missouri, one of the worst against the run last year. I think only Stanford and KU were worse against it in all of Power Five last year. To only allow 11 yards on 22 carries, that's, I mean, that's pretty good no matter the opponent. But they will face one of the country's most dangerous running backs this week in Deuce Vaughn and a pretty mobile quarterback in Adrian Martinez. You know, you can't zero in too much on one of them or the other one's going to get loose. I guess, how much stock can we put into what they did last week or is the jury kind of still out on, on the run defense? Yeah, it's still out. I mean, uh, I'm pretty sure K-State will run for more than 11 yards this week. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, If they don't, I am very confident Missouri will win the game. Um, But, you know, they're better than last year because, yeah, you you do kind of discount 11 yards for Louisiana Tech. But last year, SEMO ran for 250 against Missouri. You know, Central Michigan ran for 180 or something like that against Missouri. So it it's not necessarily a predictor for the rest of the season but it's also not nothing you know this is this is definitely an improved defense going to get a much bigger test tomorrow and I'm interested to see what Missouri's approach is I mean I've said I'm stacking seven if not eight guys in the box and I'm just saying look if I go home a loser because Adrian Martinez threw the ball and beat me so be it but I'm not going to go home a loser because Deuce Vaughn ran for 200. You know I know obviously the the one of the debates among K-State fans this week has been Martinez only threw for 53 yards. The passing game was efficient, but not especially effective. Pretty much everything was underneath. There was really only one downfield shot. You know, I know he kind of came in with the reputation of turning the ball over at Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Um, Missouri did have the three first half picks. You know, I guess in your eyes, you know, does that kind of seem more like a, maybe they just weren't opening it up, weren't giving Missouri any more film than they had to? You know, they were able to run pretty much at well. They didn't really have to throw to win this game. Right. I guess how much stock do you put into that that, that low passing total he had? Yeah, I think it was I, I think it was that way on both sides. I think both coaches knew what was coming up in week two and said, we're going to do enough to win this game. We're going to put a little bit on film to make them think about it. But we're not going to we're not going to open the playbook to beat South Dakota or Louisiana Tech. Um, You know, I mean, Martinez is reputations for guys that have been in college for three and four years are earned. I mean, it's, it's not there for no reason. He is, he's capable of some big things. He's a great athlete. He also has had a penchant for making a mistake at a pretty bad time. So I think the biggest key in this game is what Kansas state does on first down, because if they're gaining five and six yards and they're in second and four, second and five all day, Missouri's in trouble. If Missouri can bottle up first down, you know, and, and put them in second and nine and in third and eight and put Martinez in a situation where he has to make the play, then I'm not saying he can't do it, but you have to find out if he can. Right. Um, And so I, that's why I think it's in, then it'll be interesting knowing that this K-State try play, do they throw a little more on first down than they normally would? You know, I mean, it's, it's the chess match and and who knows how it'll go. 
You know, and I think you hit on a good point. You know, a run first offense typically does not operate well when you're, you know, going backwards or, you know, second long is not typically a run first offense's friend. But if you can get into those second and medium, second and short situations, you know, that really kind of opens up the possibilities to get deuce in space when he's the most lethal. So I think that's absolutely a great point. Um, Kind of looking at Missouri's quarterback, Brady Cook, I know he has got a couple starts under his belt now. You know, I know it was maybe a little unexpected that he got the start in the Armed Forces Bowl and then, you know, got another one under his belt in the opener. 201 through the air, 61 on the ground, uh, one touchdown each. Uh, so, yeah, two total scores. Looked like he spread it around pretty much in the passing game. I mean, is that kind of what we can expect from him? I know the the big thing for him, this is, I guess, this is his first true road start in what's going to be a pretty hostile environment. Is that is that kind of what fans can expect to see out of him week in and week out? Yeah, first start against a Power 5 team, and I, and I don't know yet if we know what we can expect out of Brady, but, you know, in his first couple starts, he's he's kind of been a, the opposite of what we were just talking about Martinez. Uh, I mean, the big plays haven't really been there. Everything's been pretty safe, but he also hasn't really made mistakes. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, he, he had a pick last week, but it was a ball that went off Luther Burden's hands. Uh, he's a better athlete than, than I think people give him credit for or maybe realize before they see him play. He can run. Um, he had a 20-yard touchdown run last week. I think at least especially early on, he's not going to be the guy that Eli Drinkwitz asked to go win the game, right? They're not going to put the game on Brady's shoulders and say, look, we need 300 out of you to win this game. If that's the recipe at this point in his development, I'd say that's a flawed plan. Doesn't mean it can't turn into that, but I don't think he's that yet. I think it's more, hey, manage the offense. Don't put us in bad positions and and give us a shot. Um, I'm glad you mentioned Burden. You know, I know obviously he was kind of the crown jewel of the of the recruiting class this last year. Didn't really take a lot of time to announce his arrival, right? I know I know he uh had the only touchdown catch of the game, ran it out of the Wildcat a few times. Certainly doesn't look like a guy you can arm tackle, right? I mean, he he, he looked pretty slippery back there. Um, you know, I just, what kind of uh, element does a dynamic player bring like that to the offense? And do you, I mean, is that the kind of usage you think we can expect to see out of him all year? I think he's going to be used a lot more tomorrow than he was against Louisiana Tech. I think okay. there was a lot of, I mean, this kid has expectations that have not been on a Missouri football player in at least a decade. Um, you know, he's the highest ranked recruit they've had since Doriel Green Beckham, obviously mm-hmm. Missouri fans hoping this one turns out a little better than that one did. But, um, I think there was probably some, let's get his feet wet. Let's ease him in. Let's not put too much on him and put him in a position to fail. But, you know, if you look at the stat line, you go eh, six touches, 53 yards. Like, I guess that's okay. But if you watch the game, I, I mean, his first carry was out of the wildcat, Three guys had the angle on him. He just beat him to the corner and got 17 yeah. yards. His touchdown catch was a screen he caught at the seven-yard line and had four tacklers between him and the end zone. And yes, Louisiana Tech, poor job of tackling. But also, the guy still broke the tackles. Um, you know, he is a big play waiting to happen. He, uh, I covered his first high school game his senior year. And we're about seven minutes in, and he hadn't touched the ball. And I'm going, come on, man. This is all I'm here for. I don't. Uh-huh. I, I only want highlights from him. First time he touched the ball was an 82-yard punt return for a touchdown where he legitimately was not touched. Um, touched the ball six times, I think, ended up in the end zone on four of them. So, you know, he uh, he's the he's truly a guy that can take it the distance every time he touches it. Uh, the Jeremy Macklin comparisons are going to be there for Missouri fans. They're the ones I've made. I think their games are, are fairly similar. Um, you know, he's just – He's not the fastest guy, but man, he's elusive. Like he is really hard to tackle. And I think last week was, let's see what we have. 
but let's not show everybody else what we think we sure yeah and even so only touching the ball six times but getting into the end zone twice that's not a bad clip so uh you you hope that k-state's defense lining up against deuce you know every day in practice gets them ready for this a little bit but fundamentals i think are going to be as important this week as they will at any other point in the season uh, looking at the uh, the running game, you know, obviously you lose one of the nation's best in Tyler Beatty last year. Um, looked like, again, just like the passing, it looked like it was pretty spread out. Missouri went for 323 on the ground. Uh, True, uh, the former D2 star uh, at Truman State, Cody Schrader, had uh, led the way with 17 carries. I mean, is it is he kind of the guy they're kind of looking to shoulder? You know, most of that load, or are they looking to spread that out all year? No, I, I think actually it's Nate Pete, who is uh, he's a Columbia kid who was at Stanford for three years, transferred back this year. He missed most of fall camp with a couple okay. of different injuries. Um, Eli Drinkwood said leading up to the Louisiana Tech game, we think he can play. We don't know how much he got eight carries, had 72 yards, mm-hmm. I think. Um, and if you watch the game, he's their best running back. I mean, it's not it just speed, power, he's the best back they have. So he had eight, Schrader had 17. I've said that number has to flip this week. Okay. Nate Pete has to be the guy. And and I asked Drinkwitz on Tuesday, I said, was, was he limited from a a health standpoint with what you could do with him against Louisiana tech? And he said he was limited based on how much he had practiced, which is him not answering my question at all. Mm -hmm. You know, so, so we'll see what, how many carries he gets against K-State. Yeah, um, uh, Pete was the yardage leader last week with 72 on just the eight carries. Um, So uh, looking at the guys up front, I know this has been a a big talking point for Missouri players this week. Uh, The the, the K-State defensive line, you know, they're they're very, very bullish on what these guys can do up front. It's one of the best in the Big 12, if not the country. I know Missouri's already pretty thin up front. Um, Louisiana Tech only had the one sack, but did have seven tackles behind the line. Um, you know, what, 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 what do you think we might see Drinkwitz do to try to kind of, kind of neutralize these, this, this K-State front? Well, it's, it's really strange to say a team that ran for 320 yards, you don't think the offensive line played very well, but even after the game, Drinkwitz said, yeah, I thought the running backs did a lot of that on their own, you know, which is as close as as a coach is going to come to saying, you know, my line's not very good right now. Um, Right tackle is the big question mark. They were supposed to have Hiron White, who might have been like a second, third team, all SEC type guy. He has not played this year yet. They're being very cryptic about if he ever will play. Uh, But Zeke Powell, former Juco kid, is in there. Um, Their backup right tackle right now is Armand Mimbo, a true freshman from Lee Summit. Uh, So that's a question. Connor Tolleson is a redshirt freshman at center, only weighs about 275, I think. Uh, So, you know, I know they were a little concerned about his size coming in. Um, I, I think you're going to have to keep an extra guy in the block sometimes, certainly. Uh, I think one concern is Tolleson at center, who's the guy who has to call out protections and stuff, facing a 3-3-5, which is not something most teams run, you know, and certainly not something he's seen as the center. So to figure out for him and a, and a rookie quarterback to figure out where that pressure is going to come from on any given down is a question. But Missouri's offense does a lot of short yardage stuff, a lot of motion stuff, a lot of screens, things like that. You know, a lot of east-west, jet sweeps, screens to the receivers, all that. So I think you can neutralize a pass rush a little bit if if you're just getting the ball out quick. You get the ball in the hands of Luther Burden and Dominic Lovett and just 
kind of let them see what they can do with it. You know, I mean, it's reliant, obviously, on either getting great blocking or breaking a tackle at some point, but they're going to have to do that if they're going to have success. You know, I mentioned it before, you know, fundamentals are going to be key. Uh, the The linebacking group has definitely been one of the bigger question marks for K-State coming into this year. They're veteran, but they're they're pretty thin there. So, uh, you know, if, if Missouri is going to be running things out of the backfield a lot, I think that get, getting guys on the ground at the first shot is going to be pretty key. All right, um, let's go ahead and wrap this thing up. Uh, no, you know what? I do have one more question for you. How, when's the last time you were in Manhattan? Uh, would have been... I assume I was there for the 2011 game. I don't mm-hmm. distinctly remember it, but uh, it would have been that or a basketball game at, at Bramlage probably later that year would have been the sure. last time I've been there. So looking forward to it. Uh, a lot of the guys know that covered K-State then still cover K-State now. And, uh, you know, I talked to Tim Fitzgerald yesterday. He told me I will not recognize the town of Manhattan when I when I get there. So uh, I, I like this. Um, you know, Missouri's going to play KU in, in football and basketball the next few years. They're playing Colorado pretty soon. So I get a road trip to Boulder at some point, which I always like, um, you know, so I, I like the history and, and, and the matchups here. And mostly, honestly, I'm interested. I, I looked at the weather forecast this morning and it all of a sudden looks pretty bad. So I'm interested to see what that does to the game. I've, rain is fine. No lightning delays, man. Lightning I hear delays you. on yeah. road games can't happen. Nope. I understand. That's kind of neutralizes the 11 AM kick that we're also fond of. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, no, uh, Fitz was absolutely right. From the moment you hit town, you will not recognize it. I mean, even in the last, I, I graduated in, in 2010. So, you know, I'm not, I would, you know, I, I, I've been back several times since, but no, he's, he's absolutely right that, I mean, the campus is different. The town is different. Even the stadium's different. The whole, the whole complex is under construction right now. Things are kind of going up, you know, left and right right now. So uh, any favorite spots in Manhattan when you visited last time or. You know, the, the funny thing is um, I grew up in Kansas city so I was always close enough that I would either drive back and stay with my family in Kansas City or just head all the way. Like, I don't think I've ever actually spent a night in Manhattan. <laughs> I've eaten there a little bit after, but I usually go for the games and and I, I'm out that day. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, even if it's brief, hope you enjoy your trip back, man. Again, this was Power Mizzou publisher Gabe DeArmond. Gabe, thanks again for the time, man. Really appreciate it. All right, Justin. Have a good one, man. All right, guys, there you have it. We've we've heard the breakdowns. We know the opponent. Nothing left to do but strap on the helmets and get it done. So I've got to admit, when the when the line opened up for this one, I was a little surprised. Vegas originally had K-State minus nine and a half. Um, I thought that seemed a little high. It has dropped a little bit. As of Friday morning, it was down to seven and a half. I do think K-State's going to get it done on Saturday. I'm a little hard-pressed to call it a double-digit win this early against this opponent. Uh, I think Deuce is going to get his yards. I think the ground game is really going to be able to control the tempo. And like Gabe said, you know, Mizzou's rolling with a young quarterback who really hasn't been tested in this kind of environment. And like I've said several times already, it's going to be loud. It's going to be crazy. They'll definitely have the opportunities to rattle him. So um, that said, we can go ahead and uh, get our score predictions in here before we wrap this up. Um, I talked to Jeff before the show. He said he is feeling a 27 to 22 K-State win. I think that spread seems about right to me. I uh, don't know that we'll see quite that many points. You can go ahead and put me down for 24 to 20 cats. So uh, with that, we can go ahead and put a bow on this. Uh, if you don't follow us on Twitter already, make sure to give us a follow at uh, college underscore Kimball. And we'd love it if you guys could take the time to give us a rating on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you choose to listen to us. Um, appreciate you guys as always. So with that, let's go ahead and uh, close this out in true Jeff Burkhart fashion. Cats, man, if you know, you know.